so that's one thing that worked well is, is again, building a public showing kind of showing people what you're doing, getting people excited about it and having some way to keep in touch with them. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Founders in LA podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Cole, and this is an opportunity to shine the spotlight through a product lens on some of the exceptional founders we have as the LA product community in unedited one take organic conversation. With us today is Joseph Jorgensen. Uh, thanks for coming down to the studio, Joseph. Thanks, Ethan. Glad to be here. Yeah, me too. Uh, excited to, to have you. Uh, but first, a word from our sponsors. Founders in LA is brought to you by Unita. United Club is a co-working space that sets itself apart. With locations in El Segundo, Manhattan Beach, and Hermosa, Unita is where creativity flourishes. Unlike traditional offices, they provide an inspiring environment where ideas can thrive and businesses can grow. With Unita, there's no hidden fees, flexible terms, options for dedicated offices, and unlimited access to conference rooms, a photo studio, this podcast studio, plus standard 3D printers, and 24-7 access at any of their locations. They're local champions who support neighborhood businesses, open their event spaces to nonprofits and celebrate art, music, and culture. Join United Club and experience co-working like never before. Learn more at www.unita.club. We're also brought to you by the Product Managers Association Los Angeles, available at pma.la. They're the largest professional organization for product and designers in LA. With more than 4,000 members from over 500 companies, they host monthly meetups, organize a product leader council, and have a mentorship program where they connect working product managers with students from underrepresented groups to build a better and more diverse next gen. To learn more, go to pma.la. Our guest today is Joseph Jorgensen. He's the co-founder and CTO of Capsule. Uh, Joseph, can you just give us a 30-second 30 30 description of Capsule? Yeah, sure. So Capsule is an, uh, we build AI-enabled video tools for content and marketing teams. So we offer a browser-based collaborative video editing tool uh, for people who don't have video editing experience, but want to create professional looking on brand video content in a scalable way. And that, that kind of follows the, the trend of where we are right now in technology, that the, the breaking down of barriers, the upskilling of, you know, everyone else. So that, you know, in the past where you need to hire, um, you know, maybe a video expert, maybe a designer to, to couple up with that video expert, um, and then someone who has just industry experience knowing what are the different um, requirements across all the different social media platforms. You guys have, you kind of are living in a space where you're making it easier for people to do more with less. Yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, you, you nailed it. Um, yeah. I mean, we, our focus has been larger companies who already have a lot of content that they're making a lot of video content and they have different ways of doing it. And we're basically offering them another way to do it. Something that, that scales better than traditional ways and sort of breaks down some of the, some of those barriers or some of the things that are kind of holding them back from creating even more video content. So what, what are some examples of things that some people are able to do and are doing on capsule right now? Yeah. So th we have, uh, you know, already seen like a pretty broad range of use cases, everything from, what you would think of as traditional marketing content, like social marketing content. So things that, uh, you know, a company would put out on their social channels, like on LinkedIn or, um, uh, you know, things like maybe announcing a new feature for a product or other kind of short form branded video content. Uh, 
you know, whether it's on their sort of owned and operated channels, like putting it on their, their uh, blog or cross posting it to other platforms. And like you said, like sort of dealing with all the different platforms is a big part of that. And one of the things we focus on the product to, to streamline that process so you can kind of make it once and then distribute it in many places. Um, but we also see uh, use cases in other, uh, other places across the org. I mean, one, one pretty compelling use case for larger companies is just internal comms um, and basically, you know, creating video uh, content for internal use and, and distributing amongst the team. So whether it's some message from leadership or from the CEO or some kind of training content or other things like that. Um, and, and we see, and, and you know, the sort of employees within those companies responding well to that type of content. So well, that's really interesting. And I feel like that fits along with um, a larger push of remote work. Uh, so historically in companies, you have an all hands meeting and you, s you gather everyone in an auditorium if you're, if you're large or around a specific floor, if there's only one floor of the company. Uh, but now, even for internal communication, you almost have to have like, <laughs> like a high quality communications team that are, are ready to broadcast, right? Because the worst thing in the world is to have a poorly executed hometown, uh, you know, keynote speaker by keynote talk by your, your CEO, like all of a sudden you'd be like, okay, what's going on here? I was like, we can't even get this together. How are we, how are we all going to rally together? So the pressures on these organizations to really up their game in ways that they probably weren't even thinking about a couple of years ago. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually just last week I met someone who, um, you know, I was, I was telling him about this use case and he said, yeah, like I'm, I've, he told me he was like, kind of had this long-term consulting arrangement with a company and the CEO sent out this video to employees and he said it was just like, it really resonated with him and he's more sort of like an engineering background. Um, and he thought, and he was just really impressed. Like it kind of like increased his opinion of the company, this one video, um, just by seeing this, the, the, this video that, that, you know, they produced it around the CEO. Oh, that's fantastic. So, uh, you, you're living in the space where you're enabling folks to do more with the content across social media platforms and you're building towards, uh, helping internal parts of the company better distribute their videos. Uh, what, what else are you looking at in terms of, you know, forward thinking roadmap? So <clears throat> one of the things that we roadmap wise that we, we want to improve on is, uh, product demos. Um, you know, I know you come from sort of a product background and, and that's something that, um, we get a lot of requests about and, uh, it has some unique challenges and that's, that is coming up pretty soon on our roadmap of, of how to like really seamlessly integrate, um, you know, a screen recording with a video recording and a voiceover. Um, and there's, you know, tools out there that are really good at just that, that there, you know, whether it's loom. Um, there's one called screen studio that we like, um, that, you know, are really work well for that. And currently, since we don't have all of those features built into our tool, we oftentimes recommend a workflow that involves, you know, recording part of the demo or the demo using one of those tools and then bringing it into capsule to do the sort of final edits to it, to make it kind of like uh, sort of production ready or ready to publish. You know what I love about that is, is, um, your ability to go cross-platform and thinking, you know, 
built in your DNA to think about the cross platform and how people are distributing their content across you know, different social media platforms. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite strategies and products in general is when people meet folks where they are. And so I, I can definitely see advantages of having this product demo that doesn't just have to live on your website and hope someone finds it, that you can actually distribute it across these different channels and natively in those channels. So it feels like it's right for this channel. It's not, um, like the sub, like the the subtitles aren't getting overwritten by right. like a comment section or something, right? Definitely, yeah. So that's something that's something we've already done a lot with. So a couple things. One is, um, I really like the way you describe it because th th it's similar to how how we think about it. Which is uh, one term that we've used been using for a long time uh, is this idea of responsive video. So everyone's familiar at this point with responsive web design or a responsive website, right? That works really well on, you know, looks good on any screen size. And so we've, and there's actually, I can bring up a couple of ways where we've sort of taken concepts or terms from other areas of design or digital media and brought it into video. So one of them is the responsive. So making responsive videos so that you can make your video and then you can basically select an, a different aspect ratio and it will automatically re, you know, all, any kind of motion graphics you added to it, whether it's captions or titles or other things will automatically reflow or relay out um, and look good at any aspect ratio you'll select. And then we took it a step further and addressed the other thing you mentioned, which is what we call safe zones. Um, so basically you can take it, you know, go one level deeper than just the aspect ratio. You can actually specify which platform you're planning to publish it to. And then it, we will move the motion, move those visual elements around so that they won't, any kind of UI within the app will not, you know, conflict with that. So we have, you know, over a dozen different platform targets that you can select and that the safe zone will be accounted for and we'll make sure that none of the graphics will conflict with the UI. How, how did you find yourself in this space? Like, did you, we, we had nothing like this growing up. Uh, <laughs> at least, you know, when I was growing up, you know, we, we had, when I was growing up, Fox was new, right? So like you had <laughs> three channels and Fox coming on was the brand new and there, there was cable. Um, but this concept of, you know, multi-platform didn't exist. It was all on the same screen. Um, how did you find yourself in this world? Did you, did you always think you'd get into this kind of, I don't know if you call it entertainment media, um, but did you, how'd you find yourself here? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it, I guess it's like a roundabout long story, but, you know, basically I had been, you know, I've been working in sort of technology and digital media for my whole career, basically. And um, for a, a significant part of my career, I was working in like the digital agency space, um, building websites, mobile apps, different kinds of apps for different clients, a lot of big, you know, well-known companies and brands and a lot of uh, media and publishing companies as well. And, you know, so I kind of was very closely, you know, involved, I guess, in the sort of evolution of digital video, digital, uh, you know, media basically. And so, you know, from starting in like the early mid 2000s, um, having clients who a lot of it had to do with like, you know, the consumption of video content online, uh, you know, so some of the first uh, TV networks that were bringing online 
viewing experiences as an alternative to watching it on the TV. You know, I worked with clients like that. And, you know, we, in the early days, there was a lot of like flash and there was Microsoft Silverlight, things like that. Like those were the most capable video playing technologies online for a while. Um, Yeah. Everything from, you know, I was really involved for a a couple of times in like the NBC Olympics uh, uh, sort of web platforms, um, which, you know, involved a lot of video streaming and kind of this rich video on demand experience. And so, yeah, so I've, I spent a lot of time working in the sort of digital in, in the video, you know, with video related products. Um, and then, yeah. And then kind of as I, once I got into more of the startup world, um, and, you know, was working on products, not really for other clients, but, you know, more for my own, my own team, my own company. Um, I, I had a couple of, I've been involved in a couple of different startups now that have been in this sort of like video or video related space. Um, so one of them was like a consumer social app that, um, had to do with like creating and sharing video content essentially. Uh, and then, uh, and then there was one that was a, like an experiential marketing technology company where we were building products that helped at live events and experiences to create capture and create branded video content. Um, and that's, you know, that's when I got, got even deeper into like, not just the video kind of viewing and consumption, but really into the technology around creating video content and how to do it like very efficiently and sort of automate different parts of it. Um, so we were, you know, working with a lot of great brands to create these brand activations where people could come to their events and capture this like branded video content um, at the event. So you, you, so you spent some time working with larger brands and some of the, the biggest, you know, video events in, in, in the world. Um, and at the time you were still thinking about, you know, what, what does the distribution look like? And it was, it was more often, you know, yeah, video via internet. So kind of alternative ways of, uh, distributing these, these videos. So mm-hmm. that, that, that kind of led you to identifying, you know, different ways that you can distribute video. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think just in terms of deeply understanding all of the, you know, kind of constraints and, uh, yeah, channels for distribution online. And I think that definitely helped or like put me in a position, you know, that helped with what I'm doing now. And, and but I think that sort of the, this, that last experience I had where uh, that really got into sort of how is the content created um, and how you can kind of streamline and automate that. I think that's the thing that most dir- directly sort of influenced what I'm working on now and was so, and, and also made me realize and kind of work more closely with the people at these different companies who were responsible for sort of creating this content. And then, then what, w- what were they doing with the content after it got created, the short form branded video content? So how did you find those first people to, to, to start paying you to do this? Yeah. So, <clears throat> so that's, it's a, it, that's always a really good question to ask. I, in our case, I think with capsule, we did have a pretty unique origin story. So it, you know, I'm not sure doesn't translate to everyone as a repeatable thing, but the way, the way it went down for us is, um, that company I mentioned, um, 
was called Hypno. That was our, that experiential sort of event, um, you know, creating content at events. So that company, um, we were, we basically, <laughs> um, you know, in 2020, in March, uh, in March of 2020, live events and experiences kind of uh, went on pause. And, uh, and we were, so we were faced with this, uh, you know, thing. We had this really great product, our suite of products and a really great team. And we, uh, but there was basically not, no business for us uh, for some time. So we kind of, that's when we put our heads together. And in some ways, the origin story is, is a bit of a pivot. Ultimately, it's a spin out. I mean, we actually um, took that team and, uh, you know, thought about, okay, we have this cool technology, we have this great team, what can we do? You know, how can we continue this path in a world where people aren't going to these live events? And, um, and yeah, so that's when we there were a couple of different, we had a couple of different sort of product ideas that we incubated within that environment um, and launched like really quickly. So pretty much, you know, within a few months, uh, we capsule is one of those things. Um, it was a pretty different, pretty, it looks pretty different than what we have now today. Um, but we did build like this initial product. Um, and, uh, and that product was mostly about, uh, uh one of the things we were trying to solve for people is is the problem of actually getting the footage you need um, for video. And so the first product we launched at Capsule was for crowdsourcing video content. We made it really easy that you could just create a link um, that you could send to anyone or a group of people and they click the link, they open it, and then they uh, can are prompted and guided through recording a video. And so, yeah, we launched that pretty quickly and uh, so we got our first, the way we got our first customers, paying customers is actually, you know, through this network of like event marketers that we had at the previous business. And just like us, we were, they were also scrambling for what were, you know, what was their job now? Cause they couldn't put on events and how are they going to spend their budgets? And, uh, right. we basically were able to offer them a cool, unique way to engage with their customers or their whatever, um, you know, audience they had, uh, around video content, but online instead of in person. So that's, that's basically how we got our first customers. Um, and you know, I could fast forward to this year where we actually launched our new flagship product, like what, what you think of capsule today, which is this video, this kind of more general purpose video editing tool. Um, you know, it's, you know, in some ways, in some ways there was a bit of a fresh start from a sort of m positioning and marketing standpoint. Um, so we did, we definitely had some customers for our previous products who, you know, we were able to onboard onto the new one and essentially they're paying for the new product as well. But, um, but it was like a pretty full on coordinated launch with like marketing and sales. And, and we, we did a lot of things and we've, you know, since September, when we launched that, we've gotten, you know, uh, quite a few paying customers, um, brand new that we didn't know before. Yeah. 
What were the uh, to just take a step back? It's interesting because you know there's a number of different ways that people are can get their first customers, and this is this is you know there's there's a bucket of people who fall into this where they're sort of previous company or previous mm-hmm. iteration of the current company, and they're able to leverage that network. Yeah, uh, they they have this industry knowledge or understanding of problem, and they already have kind of a built-in network that they can tap when they start something new. It's like, hey, we're doing this thing. Here's our solution to this problem we've been talking about or this collective problem we have right now. There's no one's going to events like we got to figure out everyone's trying to figure out a way to do something we got a product for you uh i'd be curious to hear more about you know in the new launch in, in september mm-hmm. um you know what are the strategies that worked for you guys what did you find was what was something you double down on versus yeah and something that you'd be like oh god it was a terrible mistake we'd never do that again yeah um let's see what what worked so a couple things that worked out really well um, one is that we were definitely following the sort of like build in public mentality where we were sharing teasers of things we were working on all throughout the process. And, um, even like, I don't know, a year ago, like at the end of 2022, we put out a, this like, uh, well, a teaser video, but also a, like a working um, I don't know if we call it a prototype. Yeah, a prototype essentially of um, what we called Capsule AI Studio, which was a, a prototype that showed some of the ways that we were going to use AI to make video editing easier. And so we put that out uh, at the end of last year, and that's actually when the process started. So like, you know, almost a year before we launched the product. Um, and so we just started building up, uh, you know, a list of, uh, you know, a, a database of potential customers. And so we had various stages of like wait lists and things like that. Um, you know, where as we were sort of building in public, like, you know, we would post some video of what we're doing and there's always some way to get on the wait list for the new product. And so by the time we launched in September, I mean, we had tens of thousands of people on the wait list. Um, that we had built up over time. So that's one thing that worked well is, is again, building in public, showing kind of showing people what you're doing, getting people excited about it and having some way to keep in touch with them. Did you find a lot of success in converting those early alpha and beta testers into paying customers? Yeah. Um, so, well, yes, um, at least, well, let's just say at least getting them we had very good success in terms of getting them to sign up for the new product. I mean, we have like a free tier on the new product. Um, right. We put a lot of effort into like segmenting that wait list in terms of, you know, doing our best to kind of understand who is actually like, who on that wait list is actually like a target customer. And out of tens of thousands of wait list signups, probably, you know, like only a few thousand people, um, you know, would even, would sort of fall within our like ICP. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, yes, and of, of those, um, we have definitely converted a few. Um, one, one strategy we use to a- around that is in addition to doing this sort of this wait list um, over time, we also had a pretty robust like private beta program where for about two to three months, about, let's call it about three months prior to the launch, 
uh, we onboarded a bunch of people who we would consider like our target customers. Um, so some of those, quite a few of them, we picked off of the wait list. Mm. Um, some of them were also just through our networks or, or even pre past customers. So we had hundreds of users in our private beta um, who we onboarded at different times, but some of them quite early, you know, when the product was, you know, and <laughs> barely functioning, right? You know, it's like, uh, and, and so it was a great experience. I think that was another strategy that I would say was, was good is onboarding these people into the private beta. So they, they got to, f in some ways, you know, they got to feel special because they were like, you know, these the early adopters, they were on the forefront of like, you know, what could be something really useful to their organization. And so that was a good experience. We also had a private Slack group with all of them. Mm. And that was really interesting, almost like building this community of our private beta users and um, engaging with them, you know, letting them know when we were making updates and, you know, try out new things and letting them, you know, give feedback in the channel if they wanted. So that worked well. And so, you know, our goal was, was to convert some of those. And we actually did successfully close couple of like enterprise license agreements even before the launch so before we did this like public september launch we actually had like a few paying customers and you're saying there's only a few thousand but when, you, when you're talking about b2b SaaS and some enterprise you, you only need like a couple of those a year to, to to make it a good year so yeah i don't like don't feel like yeah you don't have to understate like, <laughs> we only got a couple customers but if, if the customers are decent size and yeah a different maker um really interesting so then what you're saying is that, you know, building in public allowed you to generate excitement and showing, having these like kind of mini demos, even though you're not really ready, but, and not overstating, like not creating smoke and mirrors, like, Hey guys, here's what we're building right now. Uh, you're able to create these wait lists and almost a community. And what it also sounds like is you're building internal champions among mm -hmm. maybe some of your potential preferred customers. Um, all along and that, it, it sounds like yeah that's a that's a brilliant way to to get those because immediately once you do launch it that's when you want to have these internal champions especially mm -hmm. a lot of b2b SaaS, there's long sales cycles so if you can exactly. start getting ahead of that pre-launch you get them excited yep. and then along that line and you know building an internal champion if you bring them into the process it's still being made then they have like a personal investment in oh i I helped build this product. They're probably more likely to shout from the rooftops when it works. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I guess maybe switching over to something that didn't work as well, I guess, you know, one thing that has been a little bit of a challenge. Well, I'll say one more thing about leading up to the launch is, is in addition to having this private beta, we were also warming up our, kind of sales and marketing process, let's say, prior to the launch, which was cool. So A, like basically going through the sales pro process with some of these enterprise private beta customers to sort of test out different things, like even different price points and, um, you know, s to get a sense of like what it would take to get these deals across the line. So that was great. So by the time we launched, we were pretty much ready to go with that. Um, and then same with market with different kind of marketing tactics too, like testing out some different messaging, even testing out some different outbound strategies. So even before the product was publicly available, we, we did test out different outbound strategies 
um, leading up to the launch. So we really had, like I said, this kind of coordinated effort where we were, you know, sort of the, the whole team was, was uh, gearing up for the launch. The w one thing I think that's been a challenge though is now sort of post-launch now that we're public is how best to harness that community aspect. Um, and, you know, our Slack, like the Slack channel we built made a lot of sense during the private beta where that was like the only place you could find out about product updates and things like that. Um, so we would always, you know, announce like, oh, hey, we just released these features or like, mm. you know, we were obviously releasing a lot because we're building the product out. So I think post launch, we're still trying to figure out exactly how best to engage with like to create this community of users. And I mean, one thing we have done, um, we have, we did like one sort of like launch webinar thing where we invited like a lot of people, you know, a lot of people from our waitlist or whatever, where we kind of presented the product and walked through some demos and then also like to questions, Q and A that was cool. And then now we're doing like weekly office hours, like over zoom where cool. people can hop on and you know sometimes we talk about some new features but a lot of it's just q a so that's what we're doing but i think we need to figure out a better something better than the slack channel or some better way to engage with the, this community um, beyond the office hours that's great i mean you've just having those office hours is huge because it's also seen from you know some b2b sales and some companies where they just host like a, a, a webinar just showing what's how, to, how it works but you guys are going one step further. Like, hey, we'll show you how it works, but we'll also take your feedback. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I imagine that's going to do you guys well in the in the long run, especially. Um, well, trying to 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 kind of base this back in in LA. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think at the LA community, uh, love to hear more about uh, what uh, what's your most LA thing. So this could be tech related. It doesn't have to be, but uh, you know, given your time here in LA, right. like. What, what was it? My most LA experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing that jumps into my mind uh, is actually it's before I moved to LA. Actually, it's like I was visiting once. This was quite a few years ago. I've been in LA for about six years. Um, I was visiting once and a friend of mine was also in town and she was staying with her uncle in Malibu and like right on the beach. And 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 she was like, come on, come over, let, you know. It's like cool place right on the beach. So I went over there and it turned out that her uncle was a private investigator to like celebrities turned like Hollywood consultant, like consulting on, uh, you know, you know, whatever roles that involved like private investigators or things like that. And, uh, I just, a number of times since then, I've thought about like, that was like the most LA, one of the, you know, I've had quite a few of these sort of LA experiences, but that was like true. And he was like, I don't know, this very charismatic guy. And I was, I'm surprised he also wasn't an actor, but he was a, a consultant to Hollywood, but he had some cool stories about both his uh, days as an investigator, but also working on films. Oh, that's amazing. Almost like the, the Kevin Spacey character in LA Confidential, who was like, he was a former cop and became consulted for some TV show. Totally, oh, yeah. And you're just hanging out with your friend. You happen to end up in Malibu at this store, at this house with this this really interesting character. Yeah, that's amazing. That, yeah, exactly. Oh well, thanks again for coming down and sharing with us more about Capsule and uh, Joseph. Tell 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 folks more about where they can find Capsule. Learn more about it. Yeah, sure. So um, 
let's see capsule.video that's our website um that's sort of the 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 main place to find us but we're also really active on x uh made with capsule is our handle there and and linkedin you know you can find me on linkedin or we also put a lot out on there awesome well we've been speaking with joseph jorgensen he's the co-founder and cto of capsule like thank you again for coming down to the studio this was great yeah thank you so much really enjoyed it uh me too uh thanks again to our sponsors pmala and unita like to thank you all for listening to us and if you like what you hear please smash that subscribe button thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time on founders in la Thank you.